truly good to see everyone this morning. Thank you all for being here and for setting aside the time to come together as children of God and to worship Him on this first day of the week as we have been instructed to do. It is truly a blessing and a privilege that we can do this. Sometimes I think we might not take that as seriously as we should, that we are in the presence of our um, uh, of our Lord and have the opportunity to, to worship Him and to be encouraged by one another and to join our voices together in song. It is indeed a privilege and an honor to be able to do so. This morning I want to talk about um, elders. I want to talk about those who shepherd the flock, those who shepherd the flock of God among us. It's an important office. It's an important work that God has seen fit to bless us with and to bless the organization of the church and to uh, have men that are uh, qualified to be spiritual leaders of the church. And so it's important for us from time to time to remind ourselves um, about elders. We here at Cortez are absent elders at the, at the moment. There have been elders in the history of this church. But at the moment, we are absent elders, and the church can function without them. But as we'll see, and hopefully the point that you will see uh, as we go through this, is that the church is lacking if it does not have elders. And so it's always important for us to be working towards that. Uh, as men in the congregation here, we need to be striving for that, to, to one day be elders, to be qualified to be an elder so that we can indeed shepherd the flock that is here among us in Cortez. So I want to talk this morning about a few things, and this won't be an exhaustive study of elders, but certainly a reminder of a few things. Uh, and what I hope, like I said, that we'll get out of it is the idea that the church needs elders. And so I hope that that's what will come through as we discuss this this morning. Elders are shepherds of the flock. They indeed are the ones that um, care for the sheep. And that uh, is not used um, as just an offhand example. We're going to look at that in a moment as well. But there's a reason why elders are also referred to as shepherds. And there are many names that refer to the same office of elder. And we'll talk about that as we go as well. But I want to talk this morning and we'll begin with uh, looking at the work of elders. And like I said, the idea of being a shepherd is so very important. Look over in John chapter 10. Really at the root of the work of an elder is understanding uh, what a shepherd does. And so we look to Jesus' teaching about shepherds and, and we can get an idea of, uh, of why this is so important and, and why this term is used. In John chapter 10, beginning verse 1, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes before them, and all the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger they simply will not follow 
but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. There's lots of things that we can draw out of this, but what I want to, for us to see, hopefully, is understand that there's a relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And it's an intimate relationship, so much that the, she- the, the, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And in so doing, they follow him because they know his voice. And we can see the easy application for that when it comes to the work of elders, that they are indeed to shepherd the flock, and they are to know their sheep. So that when they speak, the, the sheep will, will know the voice, will understand the voice, and will follow what they have to say and, what they, and where they lead. So it's a very important fundamental thing about uh, being an elder is understanding the relationship between uh, the elders and the saints of the congregation. And they are indeed spiritual leaders. Look over in 1 Timothy 5. As elders of a congregation, they are looked to to be spiritual leaders. In 1 Timothy 5, beginning in verse 17, it says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Now, let's understand about an elder. It's not just a figurehead kind of position. It's not just a, someone who's holding an office. But Paul makes it clear as he's instructing the young evangelist here, Timothy, he says, Let them be worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. And we're going to look in a moment at the qualifications of an elder. One of those qualifications is that they're able to teach. So it's important for an elder to be able to both preach and teach. That doesn't mean they have to do it full time. But it does mean that they need to have that ability and be able to do it. Verse 18. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. So the idea here of uh, of the, the work that they're doing being worthy of double honor and being worthy of, of being compensated for. It's right here that Paul, uh, that Paul is writing here. But there's also the idea within this, and we want to touch on this as we go, that the elders are not above reproach. The elders are, simply because they, they acquire that office means that they can never be uh, um, questioned is wrong because we're all subject to the gospel. We're all subject to the word of God, even elders. Now, there is a higher standard that's, that's mentioned here. So let's read about that. Verse 19, it says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. So if an elder is in the wrong, there's a little bit higher standard in understanding of, of being able to, uh, to correct him who is wrong. But look what it says in verse 20. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest may also be fearful of sinning. So if they're guilty of sin, they need to be rebuked for it. And it says they need to be rebuked in the presence of all. It needs to be a public way so that the church does not suffer, that the sanctity and the, and the, and the pureness of the church doesn't suffer because of sin. So elders are subject to the law of God just like we all are. So they're not above uh, correction in the appropriate way. Look also over in 1 Peter 5. As spiritual leaders of a congregation, um, there's some more things that are said. Peter says here 
In 1 Peter 5, beginning in verse 1, he says, Therefore I exert the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but providing to be an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men likewise be subject to the elders, and all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. First, let's understand what he says there in verse 2, shepherd the flock of God among you. It's important to understand that the shepherds have uh, control over the flock that is among them. There is no, no connection to any other church. They shepherd the flock that is among them. And so when uh, churches of the world start establishing hierarchies and, and control over different churches, that's unscriptural. This is the simple way in which God has set up the church, that the elders shepherd the flock that is among them and no other. Each church is autonomous and is responsible for maintaining order, maintaining the proper relationships between the elders and the sheep, the shepherd and the sheep, the elders and the saints. He says they are exercising oversight, not out of compulsion, but voluntarily. That's the very important thing about, about elders and about the relationship that they have, and not out of sordid gain, but with eagerness, not lording it over them. If, you, if we have elders that are that are lording it over um, the congregation and, and exercising their authority in an improper way, it's not going to be beneficial. So it has to be done out of, the, out, of the, out, of the, out of the right frame of mind for the elder in order that he might be doing it in the proper way. And it says there, verse 5, you younger men likewise be subject to elders. We're all to be subject to elders. We are to understand that they are in the position of spiritual leader of the congregation, and we must submit ourselves to them and submit to their care as the oversight of a local congregation. And that's what we'll talk about next. Look over in Hebrews chapter 13. Not only are they the spiritual leaders and shepherds, but they do indeed have that oversight of this local congregation. In Hebrews 13, verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders, and he's speaking of, of elders here, and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this will be unprofitable for you. That says a lot about elders there, doesn't it? They're going to be held accountable for the way they lead the flock. So men, as we're thinking about being an elder one day, we need to think very, very hard about that. And make sure that we're meeting the qualifications and that we are doing it in such a way that it will be pleasing to God and that we understand that we're going to be held accountable for that. Those who will give an account, let them do it with joy and not grief, for this will be unprofitable. If we have elders who are be leading out of compulsion and not out of a joy and a, and a want uh, to be a shepherd of the flock, it's not going to be profitable for, for the elders or for the, for the saints. We talked a little bit about the work of elders. Let's talk about the qualifications for elders. We're given quite a bit of information about the qualifications for elders. I want to start uh, in 1 Timothy 3, but in a different verse than what we typically go to. And I read these verses a minute ago, 
in our scripture reading. 1 Timothy 3, verses 14 and 15. As Paul is writing, remember, these are instructions to the young evangelist Timothy, and he's given them instructions on how the church ought to operate. Not just the role of the evangelist, this, this Timothy, but others as well. And that's why we see uh, the instructions and the qualifications given for elders. But he says there in 1 Timothy 3, verse 14, I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. And when we take that and understand what he is doing here, I'm telling you, Timothy, how the church ought to operate. In my absence, these are the things that need to happen. I, I hope to, uh, to come to you before long, but in case I'm delayed, I, I'm sending this word ahead of time so that you can understand how the church ought to function. And that's why he's back in verse 1 of chapter 3 telling the qualifications for an elder. So let's look at that with that understanding is that the church has a, has a purpose, it has a structure, and it has qualifications for the men that would lead the church. Verse 1 of chapter 3 in 1 Timothy. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Again, the understanding of what has to come first is a man to desire the office of elder. A man that needs to do it for the right reason. Not that he can lord over it, as Peter mentions over there in 1 Peter 5. Not uh, in a way that it would bring um, anything but joy, as the Hebrew writer says. But in a way that would be um, out of a, a want to do it. So that's the first qualification for an elder. He must want to do it. Verse 2, an overseer then must be above reproach, husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, honorable, able to teach. There's that. Not addicted to wine or pugnacious. So these things are that a man ought to be uh, in a proper relationship. Uh, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable. Able to teach, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not, uh, you know, ready to fight at a moment's notice. But rather what? Gentle, uncontentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But a man who does not manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? See, that's so important for an elder to have children and have believing children so that those on the outside can look at this man and see how he manages his own household. And if he does not manage his own household well, Paul says, how is he going to manage the household of God? So there's that earthly example of his spiritual service. And that's why it's so very important. Verse 6, not a new convert, lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. He must have a good reputation of those outside the church so that he may not fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. You know, it's important for, for an elder to have a good standing in the community because uh, if he doesn't, he's going to bring, bring reproach upon the church. So they're going to look to that man and he's maybe in some shady business practices or doesn't behave himself well in the community. That's going to bring reproach upon the church if they know that he is indeed an elder of a local congregation. So all these things help to, uh, to understand that there are qualifications for this man. Also over in Titus, we, we get a little bit more, very similar language 
many of the same details, but just a couple of things we want to look at. Paul writing to Titus, again, visits the idea of the qualifications for elders. In Titus 1, beginning verse 5, he says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you might set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Let's stop right there and, and look at that for a moment. Set in order what remains. Some versions re read a little bit different in that translation. Some say put in order what is lacking. So the idea here is there's something more that needs to be done for these churches. And that is that elders need to be appointed so that they can shepherd the flock. So there's something lacking. And also it lets us know that there are churches that are operating without elders. And that's fine, as we see this church is. But still, there's a lacking there. And Paul is writing to Titus to, to put in order those things, to make that right, to fulfill the, the fully functioning church. Verse 6, namely, if any man is above reproach, husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain. It's not going to do for a, for a man to be greedy, to have the love of money, which is such a terrible uh, attitude for anyone to have because it drives you to do things that you might not normally do. And it supplants the will of God and the service to God to serving after money, to going after gain. But he needs to be hospitable, loving what is good, Sensible, just, devout, self-control, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching. Now, this is an important point here that he points out to, to, to Titus here in verse 9 about the elder. Remember over there, we read about how he needs to be, especially if he's given to, to preaching and teaching, as Paul wrote to Timothy. Why? That he may be able to both exhort and sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. So part of... Uh, the qualifications for elders in their work as they are spiritual leaders of the congregation is they need to know the word of God. Why? Because they need to be able to recognize false doctrine and to be able to refute it. That's the work of the elders. It's the work of the preacher to give them that information, to, to teach them from God's word. To be able to exhort and, and, and admonish the congregation as a whole. And that's the preacher's job to, to do that. And also the elder needs to take that on as well. So that he can be able to refute false doctrine. But it's an important piece of the puzzle here for an elder to be able to do that. Because he is the one who is shepherding the flock. He needs to be able to point out where there is uh, a false doctrine. last point we'll make this morning is the idea that there is a need for elders. We've talked about the work of the elders and the qualifications, but what's the need? I think we can probably answer that question by now, but there's a couple things I wanted to point out. And I wanted to go um, way back to Exodus to make a point here. Go with me back to Exodus chapter 18. You know, the idea, where, you know, where does this come from, the idea of elders or spiritual leaders uh, among God's people? 
and, and even deeper answer for that is that there's a need there. There's a need for men and women to be shepherded in this world. Now, as Peter mentioned there about the chief shepherd, that is Jesus, we have that heavenly shepherd. But we need shepherds on earth, too, to help us through the things in this world. And, and I, came to, I come to this example. There's others that we can look at as well, but, but this shows us um, why there's a need, because there's a heavy workload. There's a heavy workload in uh, caring for the spiritual needs of God's people. Here in Exodus 18, this is, of course, Moses uh, leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. And they've already had some problems over in chapter 17 is where they were grumbling about not having anything to drink and Moses strikes the rock and it comes forward. There are already problems that are, that are going on already. Moses is having a little bit of a hard time managing all these problems. And, and remember, when we talk about how many people came out of Egypt, we sometimes lose track of, of how many people it is. We're talking about close to 2 million people. We often think about, you know, a small group of people that came out of Egypt. No, there was a large group of people, almost 2 million, if you think about the 800,000 men and that, at least that many women and the children. That we're talking about a lot of people. So can you imagine? We're a small group here. Uh, you know, uh, one or two men um, could, I say easily, but I think you understand what I'm saying. But can you imagine 2 million people? And Moses trying to manage all that. So he gets some advice here from his father-in-law Jethro here in chapter 18 of Exodus. It says, beginning verse 17, And Moses' father-in-law said to him, This thing you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Think about if you had to wait in line to come see Moses because you had some kind of dispute or something that was going on. Think about how long you might have to wait if it's just one man listening to all the problems of, of the people. They're, they're already having problems. Verse 19, now listen to me. I shall give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. And listen to what it says here in verse 20. This is so very important. Then teach them the statutes and the laws, and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work that they are to do. See, even this man Jethro in his counseling of, of Moses tells them, you need to teach them the law. You need to teach them what God has taught you. Pass that on. So that then they can make judgments going forward. Verse 21, furthermore, you shall select out from the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? You shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and tens, and let them judge the people at all times. And let that be the major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear that burden with you. So here's a setting up of, uh, of the idea of uh, having qualified men to help Moses and to, and to listen to these disputes and to judge righteously because they need to know the word, the law of God at this point, to be able to judge righteously. And so we see the, uh, the idea here that men need to be shepherded. Men and women need to be shepherded in this world. And also, when we're talking about the need for elders, there's the idea of here that they need to protect the flock. 
Look back over in the New Testament, back in Acts chapter 20. <clears throat> There's protection that needs to happen uh, with, sh with shepherds when dealing with their sheep. In chapter 20, verse 17 of Acts, it says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. This is Paul, um, and he's calling the elders from Ephesus out to him, and he has this conversation with them. And he goes on to tell them, um, beginning of verse 18, how he has taught them all these things. He's not withheld anything from them. He's given them the full counsel, given them everything they need to know. And then in verse 28, he says, Be on your guard for yourselves and for all the flock. There's, there's the warning. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. A couple of things about that. We see the idea here of elders, as mentioned in verse 17. We see overseers mentioned in verse 28, and to shepherd the church of God also in verse 28. All these terms are referring to the same office, and that is the office of elder. It's also the office of shepherd. It's also the office of pastor. In Ephesians 4 and verse 11, the word pastor is used there in a distinction between evangelists and pastors and teachers some many in the in the religious world use the term pastor interchangeably with preacher and there's a distinction there the word pastor is is a synonym for shepherd or elder it's not a preacher now obviously a, a shepherd can preach an elder can preach but a pastor is not the office of preacher pastor is the office of elder so there's a distinction that needs to be made there but he says there, verse 29, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from your own selves will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. See why it's important for, for elders to be able to teach and to preach? Because they need to know God's word. And as he wrote there to Timothy, uh, beg your pardon, to Titus, they need to be able to refute sound doctrine when these things come up. They need to be able to, to put that down. Why? Because Paul says that they're savage wolves. They're going to come in. They're not going to spare the flock. And so a shepherd, an elder, needs to be able to protect the flock against these wolves. And that's very important in his work and very important in understanding why we need elders. We need that first line of defense. We need men who are knowledgeable and who are qualified to be able to to see when false doctrine is creeping in, and to address it immediately. The elders um, make sure that the church is, is properly organized. We mentioned this in Titus 1, there in verse 5, I left you in Crete that you might set in order that which remains, or set in order that which is lacking. A church is incomplete without elders. So it speaks to the idea that men, we need to be working towards being elders. Young men, older men, middle-aged men, we need to be working towards being elders because the church needs us. The church needs elders, and in this day and age, the church needs them desperately because there's so much false doctrine around, so many things that, that we're being inundated with. We need men to step up and to protect the flock.
and to make sure that the work of the church is being done and the church is not lacking in anything. So we need to make sure that men, that we are progressing, that we are working towards that day when we might one day be able to be an elder. Because it doesn't happen overnight. If you go back and look at those qualifications there in 1 Timothy 3, that's not going to happen overnight. Those are things that have to be developed as a man matures and as he is more seasoned in his life. So we need to be working on those things right now so that when that day arrives, arrives, we'll be ready. The shepherds of the flock. The shepherd, his work is of utmost importance. I think we've seen just in the few examples that we've looked at how important the work of the shepherd is, how important the work of an elder is. And God has ordained and given qualifications for elders. This is not something that that we just think is a good idea. God himself has ordained this. He knows that the workload is heavy, and he knows that, there, that men and women need to be shepherded in this world, and he has made it such and, and, and developed this um, way in which they can be shepherded by qualified men. And let's understand also that the congregation is to submit to their leadership. You know, once we're under the the leadership of elders, we as a congregation, we as sheep, need to make sure that we are submitting to them because a relationship's not going to work if we don't submit to, their, to their, the rule that they have been given, the scriptural rule that they have been given. It doesn't mean that they're completely above reproach. If they are in sin, we have a mechanism for that. But short of that, we need to be submitting to their will, making sure that that's the functioning uh, a well-functioning church because if we have sheep that are rebellious to the shepherds it's not going to work the church is lacking if it is absent of elders it does not mean that the church can't function but it means the church is not functioning to its fullest capacity we didn't even talk about deacons this morning but deacons are important as well in first timothy three he goes on to talk about the qualifications for for deacons we'll save that for another lesson but a fully functioning church is made up of, of elders and deacons and saints and evangelists. That's a well-functioning church. That is a complete church. So we need to make sure we are working towards that. And I'll say it again. As Christian men, we should be seeking after the qualifications of an elder. Even if there's a, a good chance we're not going to make it because of one of those things that might disqualify us. If we don't have believing children or or don't have children at all. But we need to have those other things, don't we? We need to be hospitable. We need to be able to teach. We need to be not worried about money, not after sordid gain. We, not, we don't need to be uh, pugnacious. I like that word. I keep using it. it means we're not, uh, pugnacious means ready to fight. We don't, we don't need to be. We need to be soft-tempered, not quick-tempered. Prudent. All those things, men, we need to be working towards those. Even if we never make the office of elder. We still need to have those qualities because those qualities make for good Christian men. And we need those in this world today. It's important to revisit these kinds of things from time to time to remind ourselves how God has structured the church and how we need to submit to the chief shepherd and to give him his due as the shepherd of us all. God has set up a wonderful, beautiful plan for the church, and, 
we need to make sure that we are following along in that plan. And men, we need to be making sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure that one day this church might have elders again. We offer an invitation, as we always do at the end of our time together. We offer it in, in, in light of the gospel message, and that is, as Paul says, Jesus Christ and him crucified. All these things are, are, are without foundation, if not for Jesus Christ and him crucified. To become a child of God, you must hear and obey the, the gospel call. And surrender to him in baptism, putting on Christ, going down into the waters of baptism and, and coming out of them a new creature to walk in newness of life. If you've not done that, I would encourage you to heed the, heed the gospel call. If as a child of God you're not living as you should and you need the prayers of the congregation, we can help you with that as well. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.